because there's ways to create value regardless of your financial position, provided you're learning how to provide value for individuals who are seeking it. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. In Los Angeles, I'm Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. On today's show, we are chatting with Jay Massey, who is literally killing it at the moment. He has built an empire of real estate education, online videos, and courses. He's also released a book based on his cash flow quadrant called The Cash Flow Diary. He's also amassed a ton of property across the United States. Truly, truly incredible guy. I'm really excited to have him on the show. So, g'day, Jay. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Am I supposed to say good day though? <laughs> you can say whatever you want if you want to. You want to give it a crack? Have a go. <laughs> I I don't don't want to be accused of trying to be Aussie when I'm not. Uh, Look, but... I always everyone who comes on this show usually has a bit of a crack at a at an Australian accent somewhere along the line because uh, after talking to me for 45 minutes, I think they slightly turn somewhat Australian. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I start using words like gearing and tall poppy, let me know. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, listeners, today Jay is here to talk to us all about creating wealth in any economy. You know, it's hugely important for any investor, whether you're investing here in the United States or, you know, or internationally, having the ability to grow your wealth in any economy is extremely vital for an investor's longevity. But Jay, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, can you tell the listeners something that most people might not know about you unrelated to being a, you know, a successful real estate entrepreneur? Sure. Uh, most people probably don't know that I've performed rap songs at church. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. What sort of stuff are you are you performing? Obviously to do with uh with Jesus Christ, I I'm assuming. Yeah, you assume correctly. Yeah. So uh, I actually uh, do occasional vocal and voiceover work uh, there. And uh, we did some songs by Lecrae for those who would be who would have any clue of knowing. So they just really learned something right there. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's one of those. It's actually one of the reasons I moved out to California in the first place was to be an actor. But that obviously hasn't happened yet. <laughs> that's that's uh that's interesting. I'm actually dying to know a little bit more about your background. You know where you've where you've come from, and you know can you just walk the listeners how you've got to this point where you've just started to really just skyrocket in terms of what you're producing, uh, everything from your uh you know how you got started to to where you are now and and everything in the between. Well, what it comes down to is just understanding how to recognize opportunity. And that's the that's really what it comes down to. The challenge is, is that most of us between kindergarten and 12th grade, we were only taught to recognize one type of opportunity that was spelled J-O-B. And if it didn't look like that, we don't know what it is. It, it's foreign to our concepts. And that's the difference in being educated versus being schooled. Most of us are schooled and not educated. So I got educated by the school of hard knocks is really what happened, you know. So uh, and through that process, I've just I keep finding ways to create value for other people. And and I enjoy that process. And that's really what an entrepreneur does. I mean, whether you call yourself a real estate investor or a real estate entrepreneur, I, I tend to think of it more as a real estate entrepreneur. That's really what we do at our core. And if you just latch on to that and the word entrepreneur part and solve other people's problems. Yeah, we happen to use real estate to do it. But as we do that, we're still creating value in the marketplace. And that's one of the great things about real estate is that there's, it's not going out of style anytime soon. Everybody needs a place to live, work, play or lay. And when you understand that, yeah, you, you can make money in any economy. Yeah, that's fantastic. I completely agree with you. You know, entrepreneurship is, you know, at the heart of, of what you and I do, what what I'm trying to do, what you're amassing. Tell us about your more about your background. I love 
uh, hearing people's stories because not everyone, as you said, just prior to going online, or you just said before, that you moved to California to pursue acting and that didn't work out. So where have you, how did, how have you come from? Where have you come from? You know, you, no one just falls into real estate uh, by accident. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you right. sort of get to the point where, as we were just talking about, you, you learn about your JOB and, you, you know, and personally, I got to the point where I was just sick and tired of that. But tell me about your story. Sure, sure. It wasn't a gentle entry, that's for sure, um, by any stretch of the imagination. I, as I said, I came out here originally to to be an actor. I, that long, long story short, that in, I ended up in customer service working at a phone company uh, or a catalog company on the phones. That the the customer service manager, or sorry, the sales manager came by one day and said, you should be in sales. So I'm doing customer service calls. He says, you should be in sales. I was totally afraid, scared. Long story short, I go into sales and I start, I'm like, wow, I'm pretty good at this. This is pretty neat. It's working. And over time, seeing that I could sell stuff, what eventually happened is I got myself to the point to where I was a self-employed financial planner. So I had switched industries. I was taking the same skill set and just applying it other places. Around this time, uh, my wife and I were pregnant. And when she's pregnant, she has a condition known as hyperemesis. What that means is that when she is pregnant, she is unable to consume something as simple as bread or water. She can't eat or drink. Needless to say, that freaked me out. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm sure. <laughs> the mother of a child. <laughs> right, right. It's pretty It's pretty scary. But one day to blow off some steam and let go of some stress, I went to go play volleyball. Well, I jumped to spike the volleyball and landed on a guy's head, punctured my lung, and I was born with asthma, in fact. So the complications of asthma plus the new hole in my lung made it impossible, along with some drug interactions, made it impossible for me to walk and talk simultaneously without fainting. Quite the combination. So you, if you can imagine, uh, I've got a, my wife who cannot eat or drink. She's on bed rest. I can't walk or talk. That was the situation. And somehow, I'm as a self-employed financial planner, I'm supposed to bring in money. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that did not work out like that. Well, I started selling our personal possessions on eBay. And to give people an understanding, if it was, let's say today's Thursday, uh, I would be looking in our closet on Thursday, hopefully getting something listed on Friday so that it would sell on Saturday or Sunday, because if it didn't, we didn't eat on Monday. That is what we were dealing with. We were making decisions like electricity or food, and that was just the reality. Around that time, a friend says, hey, I got a solution for you. I'm like, cool, great. At that point, I'll take anything. And he said, you should become a real estate investor. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a dog like turn their head to the side and look look at you (laughs) kind of funny. Yeah. 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 That's exactly that was kind of like my look because I'm like, dude, I have a credit score of 398. I don't even have like $75 together. You want me to provide housing for other people and I am squatting in bank owned property. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out that he was obviously right. Because there's ways to create value regardless of your financial position, provided you're learning how to provide value for individuals who are seeking it. And that's what I that was the beginning of what I learned to do. I was buying houses at a discount, selling them at a discount in 72 hours or less. And we would earn between two thousand and twenty six thousand dollars on each transaction. And we were just kind of off to the races. It was really interesting. Uh, I mean, because I tell people, you know, imagine Whatever you currently earn in a year, imagine transitioning what feels like really quickly transitioning to earning that on a monthly basis. Whatever you earn in a year, imagine doing that in a month. And you're like, wow, what do I, I mean, and (laughs) you're just kind of shocked. And you're like, why didn't someone teach and tell me this before? And well, it's all because of what I said earlier. It's the difference between being educated and schooled. Interesting. And when was all this going down? Like it's now 2016. How, where's your journey come from? Oh, well, it was at the perfect time at the height of the real estate market, right when Lehman Brothers and the world financial collapse happened. That's exactly when it happened. Got it. 2008, (laughs) 2009. 2008 specifically. June 18th, 2008 was the day I closed. Yes, I timed it perfectly, right? Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) that was the day I closed on the very first transaction, believe it or not. And Jay, I'm assuming that your friend, you know, who, who was his friend, by the way, because, you know, he he, he definitely deserves a pat on the back and a, a, a thank you. <laughs> right. Uh, his name is Stephen Gregg. He's actually been a guest on the podcast on my show uh, recently. So, yeah, he, he was the guy that said you should get into real estate investing. Right. right. And, and did it take a long time, you know, 
like all of us, we when someone says to you, get into real estate or, or think about real estate or think about creating long-term wealth via real estate, there's obviously a learning process, an education process, as you like to say. How long did that take for you to get to the point where you're, you know, June 18th, where you closed on your first deal? That was about six months. Okay, got it. Got it. Four to six months of learning and training because there's so much. See, here's the thing. When it comes to real estate investing, and you know this, the actual technical part of the transaction, that's easy. What isn't is all the stuff that comes before it, like getting the seller on board, finding the property, negotiating a contract that actually is executable and everybody that solves everybody's problems. The actual going to the checkout line, that's the easy part, you know? <laughs> You've already gone shopping, right? You've now need to go and just check out and pay. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That that's the that's where the work is. That but most of us, we unfortunately have a microwave style uh, attention span and we won't stick in it long enough to figure that out. Right, right. I just want to say that you've only been on the show for 10 minutes, mate, and you're absolutely blowing my mind. I love it. And I, I love personally hearing about people's story because the why factor, the where they've come from makes the person who they are today. And, and I saw a really great meme. It's, I think it's floating around on Facebook out there. You know, the iceberg where they people see the tip right. of it, which is the success, but they don't see what has come, you know, the the you know, 80% of what's below the surface, which is hard work. So, so well done coming from such adversity and, um, and you know, get, getting to where you are today. Thank so, you. Jay, let's jump into the nuts and bolts of, you know, what today's topic is and is how to create wealth. We've been sort of talking loosely around how do you can create wealth in any economy. So, let's start at the beginning. You, you have an incredible story. You've, you've, you've amassed a ton of property. You got to a point where I think you needed to document if, if I've if I've followed you correctly. Uh, so explain to the listeners what it takes to develop wealth in any economy. And please, you know, if I've missed anything and, and fill in any gaps where you need and, and start at the beginning. Yeah, 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 sure. What it simply takes is the correct perspective. That, that I mean, that is in its essence, the most simple thing that I do is that I look at things differently. For example, you through this podcast are providing value, obviously value to the listeners. Now, uh, some people, we'll call them advertisers and sponsors, go, ooh, he has an audience and might approach you and say, hey, uh, we would like you to play these 15 and 30 second spots and on your show. If you're willing to do so, we will compensate you. And suddenly, because you've done the work, i.e. of gathering the audience and providing value to the listener, now that listener has additional value to someone who calls themselves a sponsor or an advertiser or wants to put something out there. It's that simple. There is no other principle by which we're talking about. What we're really saying is we give more in use value than we take in cash value. And at the end of the day, you can do it with just about anything. The benefit of doing it with real estate is that it has magnitude. I mean, you there is every country, <laughs> every human being. It, it's not a like, hey, do you want to have a roof over your head tonight? I mean, that's not really a question. And you're going to pay whatever the market says you will pay and you will find a way to make it happen. That this it's, it's not a luxury good, which is great once you learn that your job is to own or control it. And once you can do that, then, it, it, you know, owning the means of production, being able to produce a place for people to live, work, play or lay. And you've got to understand those four things. We'll unpack that in a minute. But live, work, play or lay are truly, truly important so that you can go out there and serve people with that correct attitude, you will eventually figure out all the other pieces in terms of the technical transaction part. And the crazy thing when it comes to the technical transaction part is really there's a lot of service providers out there on the planet who do the work for you. So you don't really have to become a master at that part. Uh, because they're they're there. What you do have to come up with, though, is the vision and architect exactly what this business, your business, should look like. Right, right. Interesting. I I love what you said about creating you know this podcast. I you know one day maybe that might come to fruition. But right now I'm, I'm <laughs> understood. Understood. <laughs> right now I'm just sort of being able to voice my opinions and, and my journey about how I've got to the United States and started investing. And the value, as you said, it's providing value to other people so they can learn from you know mistakes or other people's mistakes and, and take that on board and go out and do it on their own. So I, I completely understand. Now, Jay, you, you released a book, you know, Cashflow Diary. What are the 10 right. steps to 
prosper in any economy. Without giving too much away, do you want to walk us through some of those ten steps to get to the point where you are today? Uh, you know, because you're you're a, you're a living, breathing example of that. Sure, sure. Well, the first thing, is, which was really, really good, is that uh, anyone listening, you you have step number one already in spades, and you just don't realize it. And it, that's simply being desire. You that's the one I can't give you if you don't come to the table with that. There's no twenty nine ninety five program that's going to make it work. <laughs> Sorry. So you got to come to the table with desire. If you've got that, great. The cool thing is, if you're listening to this, you also have step number two. However, you've been using step number two completely wrong. Number two is all about your time, what you do with time, specifically your time. And that's the problem. It's our greatest asset, but we misuse it. What we should be doing with our time is gaining new, which is step number three, skills and or talents. That is the key. That was the crux of the difference. Right now, most of us, if you're like me from the beginning, I was trading my time directly in a one-to-one relationship for money or dollars in some way, shape or form, which everyone else was doing it. So I guess that was fine. But no one taught me or had said to me, no, what you should be doing with your time is gaining new skills specifically. And here's the key. This is the one skill set you need to set everything else free. How to build an asset, period. Take the time to build an asset. This podcast is an asset for you. The newspapers, uh, the people who own the newspaper, they're building assets. You have a blog, great. That's your asset. You got a a book, Uh, great. That's an asset. Taking the time to build that asset and learning how to do that is where your freedom begins and hinges. And until you do so, you're going to continually be stuck in this you know, trading time for dollars situation. But that was the key is step number three. After step number three, because um, what ends up happening is that as you seek this, the, the, the ability to gain these new skills, what happens by default, you're looking for new skills. So you like, for example, if you were le- learn, wanted to learn how to cook, well, one of the things you're going to do is probably take a cooking class. Well, the interesting thing is, is that there are other people in the room too. Guess what they want? <laughs> they want to <laughs> learn how to cook. What happens, though, is that in that environment, you gain new relationships. You all came for new skills, but you leave with new relationships, which is step number four. That's what happens is once you start to gain those additional relationships in various times and ways end up helping you to become ultimately the person that you want it to be in the first place. Because the number one thing that you're gaining with those relationships is one very important thing, credibility is what you're gaining because you're showing up at the same time. All of you guys are coming together. You're, you're, they, they're seeing you show up for class. They're seeing your work ethic. You don't realize you're on display everywhere you go. So you're, they're, they're learning, hey, who you are through the mechanism of the cooking class. And when you gain that credibility with them, then and only then do you have the ability to get what people call or, or to that next stage, which is what people want, is cash. Only then, once I've gained credibility with you, do I have the ability or right to ask you for cash. And here's a quick way of, of illustrating this particular point. Next time, or for those of you right now, if you're on a treadmill or what have you, you, you probably have recently drank a bottle of water. Now, I'm going to assume that you did not, before you drank the water, you did not examine the label. You did not run it through any sort of test. You just cracked open the lid and you drank the water. And you haven't been concerned about it. And, and in fact, until this moment, when now I'm bringing it up to you, you're like, oh, what happened? <laughs> well, well, let me tell you what happened. What happened is that brand, that label, that store, all of the things in that process gained enough credibility with you that they didn't need to prove anything else. They just said, hey, here's a solution to your problem. You're thirsty. Here is our version of that solution, our bottle of water. If you'd like this, this was the promise. Buy this bottle. It will cure your thirst, period. And that's what happened. And you did it, and you didn't even think about it. The challenge, especially in the real estate world, is people think, hey, Today, I've decided, I woke up today, I'm going to be a real estate investor. Look at this deal. Don't you want it from me? 
dude, I don't know you. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Right. That's the issue. You haven't gone through to build the credibility at all. I don't know who you are. So I've got to do, I mean, anyway, you get my point. Then you can ask for cash. Then after that cash comes cash flow, uh, where you can begin to raise capital, and then comes significance. That's, in a nutshell, what you the path, what I call the path to becoming, that all of us are on in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, interspersed be- between all of that, you're going to have to learn to become a leader, become an excellent communicator. And I'm going to suggest strongly you learn how to sell. <laughs> Wow. But mate, those steps are incredible. And one of the biggest takeaway is that it really goes back to the heart of it and, and the vehicle that you use to create that the wealth in any economy. You know, you've talked there. You, I don't even think you've talked anything about real estate at all in those any of those steps. You know, no, you can apply right. yeah. can apply that to anything. Right. And and, and that's that's probably the key is understanding where wealth can be created and how to continue to create that wealth as you continue to go and you educate yourself. And, you know, one of the biggest things and proponent that I, I am and on this show is continue to grow your, your financial IQ, whether that be in real estate, and this happens to be a real estate podcast, but you could do, you could choose anything. It could be business. It could be the stock market. It could be a number of things, marketing. It could, but you're continuing to grow your education. And I think if you get to the point where you think you know everything, you're a dangerous person because you're going to stop <laughs> learning and you're going to then not be able to continue to grow your wealth. So, well, if you get to the point where you think you know everything, you're about 30 seconds from making colossal failure. So <laughs> that's all I'm going to say on that one. From someone who has made lots of colossal failures. Right. So um, what, what I will also say is real estate is just the vehicle. And you said that perfectly. It's uh, the reason I like it as a training ground, because it's one of the most accessible and the most tangible. But here's what it has over every other business form out there. And this is why I often suggest any would-be entrepreneur at least start and try here because a lot the principles yeah, they transfer. I don't care where, what you want to do. We've had students again from multiple different countries. Uh, obviously, Australia, Papua New Guinea, UK, Germany, Canada. Thousands of students from many different countries use this information uh, to go out there and do real estate in their own local areas. But we've also had people then transition this same information to things like iPhone apps and music and all kinds of all kinds of interesting things. I'm like, all right, whatever works. What it comes down to, what real estate has above every other business model is one simple thing. It's POC, proof of concept. And that one thing, you, you don't realize it until you don't have it, how difficult it is. Because that's the one thing that stops most entrepreneurs from ever getting their idea, their business off the ground. That business you have, that widget you want to make is probably actually good for the the marketplace. However, because you don't have POC, no one is willing to get on board that train just yet. And until you have proof of concept, until you can show that there's an actual market, until you can show that people will give you money, until you can maybe even get some leveraged financing and all these other things necessary uh, to make that happen, it feels like it's a really long uphill battle just trying to get somebody to believe. Well, my eight-year-old knows that people lives in houses. That's that's like, of course. I mean, she knows that the county fair is on a piece of real estate. It's a place where we have to go. Uh, the movie theater is in a building on a piece of real estate. Th- this is not, that's not rocket science. So that one thing alone makes it easy to gain capital, to gain partners, to gain any sort of access to other people's resources that you might need. And I think people just don't realize how valuable it is until you don't have it. I, I, I love it. That it goes back to the heart of it. The proof of concept, as you said, is easy to demonstrate with real estate. And that's why it's a good starting block. But it also goes back to understanding financial, you're, you're increasing your financial IQ. I'm a huge believer, and I know you are, Jay, of um, increasing your financial IQ, which is what Robert Kiyosaki said and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all those years ago when I picked up that book that changed my life. It is right. about developing. If you, if you continue to 
you develop your financial IQ, opportunities will come. You'll start to understand how the world works easier. Uh, and, and as you said, your proof of concept will change. It might not necessarily be real estate. It could be a widget, as you said. So, Absolutely. And that's all that's happened for me. And that's I'm, I'm fortunate in that I named the company Cashflow Diary because otherwise, if I had said real estate diary, I'd be messed up right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's good advice. That's good advice. That's good advice to any, any, any on, uh, budding entrepreneur out there who is interested in real estate. Don't be pigeonholed to real estate because the the opportunities are endless once you start developing you know back to step three when you talk about credibility uh, and then you have the the right to go and ask people for for cash and money so great stuff mate I want to talk a little bit more about your cash flow quadrant I saw this on on your website I love it the profit analysis quadrant is that yes what yes okay got it I'm just yeah. making sure Sorry, I, I sorry if I misspoke. Please correct me. Uh, actually, one of your mentees told me a lot about it, and it's a I, I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about about what it is and Got how it, it works? Well, yeah, sure, because it it's the number one tool that I've invented, and it, it helped people raise I don't probably hundreds of millions now uh, of dollars. I know I've raised tens of millions personally using it, uh, but basically because <laughs> it was born out of my frustration. Again, remember how I got started? I didn't have a computer or a way to do a fancy PowerPoint. You know, if someone said, if you're going to raise capital, if you're going to do this business, you have to learn how to do a PowerPoint presentation from the front of the room and host people at a hotel and have these events. I would have been uh, messed up <laughs> because it wasn't going to work for me. I didn't know how to do that. So, and, and you've also heard people say, you can do a deal on the back of a napkin, right? Uh, we did this deal on a napkin. And you hear this all the time. And it was irritating. Because nobody said, okay, and here's how. <laughs> and that's what I was waiting on. So I had to develop something to where I could use it and it would be functional so that I could use it anywhere. Because oftentimes when you're in the middle of putting a deal together, the conversation doesn't come when you are perfectly prepared and waiting with your laptop ready, all right, or iPad ready. You need to be able to go at any moment. So the, I had to figure out a way to explain these high-level financial concepts that I had learned to individuals who had not been exposed to them on a napkin. Ever. <laughs> right, not been exposed to them ever and be able to do so in such a way that they still at the end go, yes, I want to participate. And it's in a nutshell, that's what the Profit Analysis Quadrant, PAQ or PAC is what we call it, does. And it breaks down every type of business deal. Now, we use real estate as the example inside of the the course is we use real estate for it, but it works for every type of business. Deal. I don't care if you're doing a franchise. I don't care if you've got intellectual property and IP, you're an inventor. It works all the same. And it just breaks it down into four different pieces uh, and, you know, lacking some sort of visual illustration tool right now. I'll just say, if you can imagine, take a sheet of paper and draw a, a line down the center of it in both centers, the vertical and the horizontal center, both of them. And then in the top left, you've got quadrant one. The top right, you've got quadrant two. The bottom left is quadrant three, and the bottom right is quadrant four. Inside quadrant one, what we have is what I what is called appreciation. That's just one of the profit centers for your deal, is appreciation, simply defined as the increase in value. Now, Here's the thing. There are five different types of appreciation. Don't make the mistake of thinking I already know that. Okay, so there are five different types of appreciation. And you need to understand inside your deal which type of appreciation is this return expected to come from because it's a measurement of risk when you understand that. Then uh, quadrant number two is depreciation. It's all about the tax advantages. Now, having done this uh, same example in many, many different countries, um, uh, I know it works, again, in every country except some countries do not have an allocation for depreciation. I just happen to know off the top of my head, Lithuania and Estonia are two of those because I, when I was there, they were like, what's that? I'm like, okay, well, we just learned something. Uh, however, most taxing uh, jurisdictions do have some sort of allowance for depreciation or some sort of tax advantage for owning real estate. And that's what quadrant two is all about. It can be calculated and it is a profit center. Then number three is amortization. Uh, typically in a real estate deal, especially if you're doing the long term kind, when you receive the rent or, or income from the property you're building, that's not your money. That's why it's called income. 
Well, a portion of that income gets paid to the lender in, in some cases, which would then reduce principal. That reduction of principal is amortization, which over time pays off the loan and most importantly becomes something that it, you could have a massive profit on a property without the price increasing through that one alone. And just to give you an understanding, quadrant three, the one I just described, this is where the banks and insurance companies play. It's the only quadrant they play in. And I think they do pretty well for themselves. So just understand, by combining all of these quadrants together, you have a lot of magnitude of impact. And then quadrant four, this is the one most people negotiate on, which is fine, except for those of you who are the real estate entrepreneur, you're giving up more than you have to in order to get access to the capital by neglecting to understand quadrants one, two, and three. But quadrant four, this is a simple, you know, cash flow. Income minus expenses equals net operating income minus debt service equals cash flow. So you, you've got to consider the entire picture. And I teach total return on investment because it's important to understand the magnitude of impact that you're having with this idea. Real estate has a massive impact, especially numerically in every country. And if you don't understand it, I, I promise you, you're giving away more of your deal than you need to. You're overpaying for your capital. Uh, but if you <laughs> if you do understand it and you're the investor, yeah, you're, you know you're getting a good deal because that's exactly what has happened. You're getting all those benefits with relatively little risk. So it's good to know. And once you have it, it becomes a very, very important and powerful tool uh, that you can help people retire with. Fantastic. And I think that's just incredible in terms of that you've created this this quadrant because a lot of people do just focus on you know two of those things and that is you know in particularly in real estate is is appreciation and cash flow that's what they focus on they don't they they sort of neglect to mention the depreciation and amortization which can be huge if used in the correct way and that's why it's so important to uh, have a, a big picture understanding of all four quadrants together and that's why I love it because you know just talking to you Jay um, you know you clearly know your stuff about all four quadrants and you know talking about the five different types of appreciation you know, that's great you know most people don't know that there's five different types of appreciation particularly when it comes to real estate so absolutely incredible stuff talking a little bit more about that uh, five different types of appreciation does that apply across all businesses regardless if it's real estate or not yeah absolutely because it's about the asset more than it is about anything so the five types are found forced phased inflated okay found forced phased or inflated or passive so found the found appreciation, this is going to be just you're you're going to do this through your skill set and ability to negotiate an actual discount. For example, I'll just give a quick example. You don't even need to know where this particular property is to know that I negotiated a discount. I bought a 71 unit building, all 71 units. It had a roof. OK, just understand for sixty thousand dollars. So the whole building. So here's the point. You instinctively know that. It's got to be worth more than that. I mean, so, and the answer is you're right. But my, my point is that was a negotiated discount. I didn't have to do anything, but it was a negotiated discount. That was found appreciation. Forced, this is the one that's very popular, especially as the summer months hit and on television because it's sexy. You can do that. You can, this is the, where you buy the, the ugly uh, house on the corner and you fix it up and you add some, you know, shrubbery and painted and all this other stuff, you did something to it. You forced the value to increase by something you did, forced appreciation. Then there's phase. This one is my favorite. It's also called change of use because uh, it's it's the most profitable period. Uh, phased is where you take, like one of my favorite plays, is you have a building, right? Let's just say a commercial building in this case. You have a commercial building uh, on a busy street and all of a sudden you add a cell phone tower to that building. Same square footage, but now you have a cell phone tower. Well, guess what? That you just added something that was not previously there. You phased in additional appreciation, which will affect your property value. You can do the same thing with adding additional services. So for some of you, if you're doing high-end rentals, maybe if you added to, you say you want to increase your rent, here's how you do it really quickly, especially if you're doing the high-end stuff. I would contact those because they now have in, in a lot of places, 
these uh, uh, delivery for dry cleaning and, and laundry service, I would contact one of those because those people, guess what they are? They're entrepreneurs looking for customers. And I would get them to give you an, an entire agreement for your entire complex at a severe discount for promising them so much business. And then I'm going to increase everybody's rent. But now guess what? Included is launder service, drop off and pick up. You can do that over and over and over again. All I did though, is just think about it. They have to get the stuff dry cleaned anyway. So make it convenient for them. I'm not saying you suddenly go do their laundry. <laughs> I'm just saying you can put two and two together and make it simple. You can do the same thing with cable and utilities. Uh, the point is, is that you add these things uh, that were not there previously and you phase it. One of my other favorites is, you know, maybe you buy something like a hotel, right? But you then turn that hotel into, I don't know, a retail store. And then maybe or you turn that retail store into a bowling alley or that bowling alley into an apartment. I know it sounds weird, but the point is you're changing the use of the property. Here's a more common example that uh, I know some of our students do right now. You take a single family house. Now, mind you, it's a single family house. It's the same house. OK, so you take the same single family house regardless of location, okay, so please hear me clearly. The location is not important. What is important is how you are using this particular property. So now we take this property, and if you rent it to a single family, the whole property to one family, well, yeah, and you do that on a monthly basis, guess what? That's your traditional single family rental that most of us are used to, and that's what we talk about uh, most of the time. But now, so let's say we take that same house. In this case, let's give it at the, you know, 3,000 square feet or about 279 square meters mm -hmm. for those of you. <laughs> good, who, so, good so conversion. I try, I try. <laughs> so what? We'll, let's just say we've got the same dwelling, right? And instead of renting the entire dwelling to one family for one month at a time on a long-term contract, what if we rent that same dwelling to college students one bedroom at a time. It's the same piece, of, same piece of property. I promise you, renting it to college student, yes, it has more work. Yes, there's going to be, you know, more maintenance. Yes, they probably threw a keg party at least once. All right. Yes. But if you do the math, I'm almost willing to bet you're going to end up making more money. Same house. But you changed the use. It's one of the most profitable strategies I know is to change the use when it doesn't work. So for those of you, and this is code for those of you in California, New York, Hawaii, D.C., you should be looking into these things because your properties don't cash flow otherwise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're talking about. But then you have the other two forms of uh, appreciation, which I've said is inflated, which is when, you know, Janet Yellen or your your central bank decides to produce uh, more cat or currency. Uh, you, there's nothing you and I can do about that. Just because there's more money in the system, that doesn't mean your property is worth more uh, in the sense, well, it's worth more in terms of dollars or euros or whatever your currency is, sure. However, it doesn't mean it buys more goods or services. It doesn't, and that's the really thing to, to understand is your purchasing power has actually gone down. Um, and then Obviously, passive. This is the one that's crazy. It's when realtors get all excited about it, though. They're like, hey, this area of town is hot. Well, why? I don't know. Just is. You got to pay more for this particular area of town today. Why? No one can ever explain it. It's just all about emotion. But depending on what type of deal you're doing, you need to know what type of appreciation this person is either saying they're going to be able to produce or they're expecting. Because if you're expecting a return from inflated and or passive appreciation, that's a really high risk in my opinion. Yep. Great. Well, this is just truly, truly incredible, what I like to call information nuggets, because there's some great stuff in there that, as you just said, people don't understand the passive appreciation uh, and why a suburb is the way it is improving over time. 
but just breaking it down as you just did in those you know five different ways of appreciation is you know very very helpful and you know the phased one i'm a huge believer of that as well i love what you said about the laundry i've never heard about the laundry but i definitely have heard about cable and you know implementing some of those things in my oh practice. dude i can go for a long time you want to <laughs> you want to talk about some crazy stuff i mean right now we're looking at one of our properties it's uh a little over two acres or so and uh, because we have so much green space on this particular property, we're looking at taking that green space and adding a daycare center on site because we tend to cater towards single parents anyway. So they've got kids. And th- if you are a parent and have ever woke up in the morning going, oh, crud, I'm trying to get to work on time and my kid to daycare on time. I mean, (laughs) you know, uh, do you know how many parents and then the the actual converse also happens is when they're they're trying to pick them up by six o'clock because at six o'clock, something magical happens at daycares or or something because they start charging forty dollars for every 50 seconds, you know, that you're late. And imagine having access to a daycare on site where you live Uh, for the parent that we serve. That's like. Nirvana. And for the person who is running a daycare, like you've got a captured audience literally right there every day. There is no I have a hard time seeing that not working under any circumstances whatsoever. And I'm already paying real estate taxes for that, you know, land. So might as well get some use out of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. On, on one of the deals we did last year, 200, same sort of thing, 250 units. They, they, we went and implemented a, uh, a daycare, which was, you know, just, it made sense. It just, all these things that you're like, oh, right. and went, but, you know, it goes back to the financial education and making sure you're surrounding yourself with great people and all the steps of how to create, you know, wealth in any economy. It's identifying these different ways to create that long-term wealth or, or increase the value of the property, or as you like to say, phased appreciation. And it just, right. it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, the cool thing is, is that it's accessible to any human, because if you're a human, that's the only requirement. I am not a genius. I am not. For those of you who have actually gone out there and invented something good on you, I am not that guy. <laughs> you guys are great. I do real estate because it makes sense. It's just about serving people. Hey, I know I know what it's like being a parent. So what services could I provide? I know what it's like to have to clean clothes or get clothes cleaned and pick them up and drop them off. And Lord knows my wife would like me to do that more. But if I can remove any of these pain points, there's a profit potential on the other end. And that's why I like calling it a being a real estate entrepreneur. I just happen to use the vehicle of real estate in order to deliver this value and create services. I love it. Love it, mate. Jay, you talked about some some incredible stuff on this show, but I, you know, what's next for you? You're building, how are you building your business and growing as an entrepreneur here in the United States? What's the future hold? And that's <laughs> that's been interesting to to watch unfold. I didn't really know this. So what happened is, uh, you know, a lot of people just asking me to help them, and then I would, and then I charge people for help. They'll leave me alone. Um, but I was wrong. <laughs> so now we've turned that into helping thousands of students across uh, the world, which is like, wow, this is amazing being able to help them grasp these concepts at deep levels all the way down to, you know, we have these, uh, we have a weekly for our members. We have a a weekly Q and a session where I sit there and answer their questions and they bring, you know, stuff to me like, Hey, okay. I was sitting with the investor. This is what he said. Like, what do I do next? And then I'm like, go do this. And then the next week they come back. They're like, Jay, it totally worked. I just got a hundred grand. Thank you. I'm like, yes, do it again. You know? (laughs) And we're that's what I'm actually investing a, a significant portion of time doing, and I'm I'm enjoying a lot of it. Now, on the real estate side, I intend to purchase at least one more multiple seven-figure asset, probably out here in California for the first time, because I typically don't uh, do that, but I do intend to, to do so. Uh, plus, there were some changes to California law recently in, in uh, December towards the end of last year that are going to make it very, very lucrative for those with people, <laughs> for those with podcasts and uh, who go out there to, to actually help more Californians get involved in real estate. So we're looking to take advantage of that and providing more value to the marketplace 
at the same time. Plus, still would like to acquire a few more cell phone towers. That would be really, really cool uh, if we could make that happen. Fantastic. That's uh, that's incredible. And I think that the the crux of this is that you're helping people across the world and the, the way that you're teaching these people can be applied in any market and in any country because, as you said, real estate in its fundamentals, right. people need a, a house, a, a roof over their head, and the way that you're creating that long-term wealth is through real estate uh, and those principles can be applied in any market. Now, you know, as you said, there's some, some markets where they don't have depreciation, but by and large, those <laughs> principles right. can be applied anywhere from Papua New Guinea to Australia to Spain. So absolutely well done, mate. My last set of questions for you is just sort of a, a top five quick fire round of your investing tips in the United States. You, you ready to get into it? Go for it. Mate, what's the most successful habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Okay, awesome. The most successful habit is what we call our 40 points worksheet. It's where I give you points or we give you points for every activity that results in business. And uh, the goal is to score no less than 40 points on a on a day. Wow, great. That's incredible. It's a worksheet, you said. Yeah, it's a worksheet that I train people how to use. And for those who score like a minimum like for those who consider themselves like super duper full time, I'm not doing anything else. Their minimum is 80. But people who score 40 points consistently, you show me 60 or even 90 days of uh, 40 points consistent activity and you will have done multiple deals by the end of that. Fantastic. There's just no way to not get it done. Fantastic. What's the most influential tool in your real estate business and why? I'm sure you have a lot of different tools out there, whether it be electronic or actual physical tool. Wow. What is it? The most influential tool is probably my CFO. <laughs> How about that? Uh, because, I mean, there's you, you're not going to build your empire uh, solo, and you sh probably shouldn't be doing your own books. But when it comes down to doing all the financials and reporting and all those types of things, or even raising new capital, you got to have a team. And my CFO has been very, very critical in helping a lot of those things happen. Fantastic. So CFO, is most, that's, that's great. A great tool. Uh, most exciting project you're working on right now? You might already have alluded to that in terms of what you're building towards in the future, but maybe it's something else. Well, it, interestingly uh, enough, we are going to be, I guess, um, <laughs> for those of you who are listening that are cash flow diary students, you're about to find this out anyway. Uh, we're actually going to be taking a field trip for the first time together uh, here later, so later this year, which I'm pretty excited about, you know, actually meeting more of them in person. Fantastic. So it's going to be pretty fun. Great, great stuff. Where, where you, you, it's been held here in Los Angeles? No, we're actually going to get, we're all getting on a plane. We're going to go east, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to, to land. We're going to examine a marketplace and Got we're going to help some people get started building their portfolio. It's going to be pretty cool. Got it. That's fantastic. Most influential person in your career to date? Jesus. Jesus, fantastic. Last question is best US deal you've completed to date? <laughs> you mean other than a 71 unit? Yeah, other, other than the 71. <laughs> maybe it is a 71. Maybe you can tell us I'm a little like, bit more, more of the that, numbers on that 71 unit. That is definitely my absolute best purchase for bar none. I, I don't know that I have a better purchase than that. But I will say, honestly, the best one is the first one because it's the one that opens the door it changes your mindset i mean yeah i would not do it the same way i did i would negotiate differently and better and all these other things but at this point who cares you can't get to deal number 15 without doing deal number one and by the time you get to you know deal number 15 or in my case uh, hundreds you you realize the that having done that first one is the only reason you got to the hundreds in the first place no matter how you've done it so you know, even if it's a dollar, I mean, I've often told people, and I say again, you do your first deals for experience, not profit, and then later you get to profit from your experience. Yes, 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 yes. No, I, I completely agree with being that it's the first deal. Get your feet wet. Analysis paralysis, get that over with and then get into your first deal. And you might not make money on your first deal. You're probably nope. highly likely not going to make any money on your first deal, but it's the experience that you get from it in the, edu in the education. So, Well, the experience is worth more than the money, and, and I wish more people understood that. I mean, the reason you're able to raise capital, anybody who's raising capital right now, you're raising capital from the person who has it because they don't have the skill set experience you do that's what they're betting on and if you've got that 
then great. That's why you're able to keep using and leveraging that experience over and over and over again. Here's the interesting thing most people forget. You're going to eventually run out of money. Yes. <laughs> yes. You need to use OPM, which I like to call other people's money to grow your business. And I just completed a, a three-part series on syndication and, and how it can help scale your real estate business. But um, anyway, Jay, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Awesome. Oh, well, the easiest place is we have a podcast too. It's a cashflowdiarypodcast.com. And I've recently produced a webinar, which will go over for those of you who want more information specifically about the profit analysis quadrant. I go over that in more detail and some visuals so you can see how it works. You can go to that at cashflowdiary.com forward slash rock solid. Cashflowdiary.com forward slash rock solid solid. I'm going to have all these links in the, the show notes below. But for those that register for the webinar, I'm also going to give you a free PDF copy of my book, Cashflow Diary, 10 Steps to Creating Wealth in Any Economy. Fantastic, mate. Well, look, Jay, you truly provided some incredible information. You're you know, another cracking entrepreneur who is absolutely kicking some massive goals right now. Well done. Uh, you gave us a lot of food for thought, and you know we've just talk, we've, we've covered some absolutely great topics. Your, your ten steps for creating wealth in any economy, understanding that how to to identify opportunities in real estate, not just as a real estate, but in any business. And we sort of went through the ca the cash flow quadrant in terms of pack and you know profit analysis quadrant one, two, and three. I'm definitely going to be jumping on that webinar to get a little bit more information about what you do. Thanks, mate, for dropping by and chatting with us today. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will catch up soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. Well, there you have it. A more incredible, straightforward information into understanding the steps of creating wealth in enemy economy. Jay is truly a professional and just an inspiring entrepreneur. He has created some incredible uh, content in terms of understanding how to identify that the value, whether it be in real estate, whether it be in business. And, and at the end, they, we're all entrepreneurs and it's creating that long-term wealth and understanding that in any economy to identify where you continue to create that long-term worth. On this podcast, we use real estate as a vehicle. So remember to check out all the show notes for a summary of today's conversation with Jay on my website at rsmpropertygroup.com. I'm sure everyone will be jumping on there for the webinar and getting a copy of Jay's book. Whilst you're there, you can also check out all the deals that I'm working on right now. And if you want to become an investor, you can drop me an email or sign up for one of our newsletters. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in and continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge as that's what we're all about here on this show. Continue to grow your financial IQ. If you are enjoying this show and you want to give back, well then just quickly jump online to iTunes and uh, go online and give a five-star review. Uh, I really would appreciate it. It helps us grow our community of eager listeners, eager to invest in the United States. We're going to do this all again next week. You know where we can find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on Stitcher Radio. But take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Bye.